0: on a mission. It's a mission to turn our world upside down. That happens when people hear the good news of Jesus. So get ready for God to turn you upside down.
1: I'm here at uh, Mission Upside Down with Dr. Thomas Riley and we're continuing where we left off last time. By the way, if you're a listener and you didn't hear last week's episode. That's part one. Obviously, listen to that one first, and then come back to this one because this is really uh, part two. And so we're discussing um, Tom's recent book, "Saving the Nation," and we want to welcome you again, Tom, back to Mission Upside Down. Glad to be back. <laughs> so let's, um, yeah, let's let's zero in maybe on your book, uh, that thirty-year period, 1922 to 1952. Um, you spend a fair amount of time talking about the YMCA. (laughs) I come across people today that that have no clue that the letters YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association. In its early days, the Y was very Christian, even quite evangelistic. Uh, How was that in China in those early
0: days that you cover in your book about the YMCA? Well, it was very influential in the cities and Mm. especially among the urban elite, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, at that time it would sponsor evangelistic rallies, uh, but it also supported modernizing measures such as hygiene campaigns and popular literacy. Hmm. Um, and one, one factor in its influence was that it was largely a Chinese run organization and the Chinese secretaries were also, were always, uh, college graduates at a time when those graduates were very small, uh, uh, segment of the population. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah. You, you know, it's interesting. Part of your title is um, Chinese Protestant elites, and that's uh, you know, it's a word that we don't throw around too much today, especially in the states or in Canada. But yeah, I hear it in some mission talk. Uh, sort of the prominent, what the educators, professors, doctors, lawyers, leading businessmen. Why? Why did you choose to focus on them so much
0: in your book? Well, for the simple reason that they are the human element uh, in modernizing China. Chinese businessmen were critical for the development of industry and the economy. And let's mm. let's face it, that China needed to develop its economy, right? Mm. Uh, that's sometimes overlooked. Uh, doctors, teachers, lawyers, journalists, all of these professions were also important for developing a modern China. Uh, as I've said before, you know, Protestant colleges were educated 15% of China's uh, college students. So 15% of college students went to Chinese Protestant colleges. Wow. Let's just stop there a
1: minute. So be sure the listeners hear that. Say it again. 15% out of the, what, out of the total college population?
0: Right, right. Were going went to, to Christian Protestant Protestant colleges. Wow. That's quite a... And- and they had a more much greater influence than just that, because you have to remember that uh, universities, again, were a, an institution imported from the West. Now, China has a very strong scholarly tradition, mm-hmm. um, you know, Confucius, Mencius, all, all of these. Um, and in fact, uh, their uh, whole official class, government official class, was made up of what is co- referred to as the scholar elite. So they had a very strong tradition uh, of scholastic um, achievement, but uh, that said, they didn't have what are really modern institutions, that is the universities and colleges. Mm, I see. Okay.
1: So some of this was what, bringing in some of these Western things. Um, Well, basically,
0: I mean, Historically, uh, oh. the Chinese had what uh, they their uh, academic efforts focused on what was called the um, civil service exam, mm-hmm. uh, where students would go to schools uh, to learn the Confucian classics, largely, mm-hmm. also to write poetry. <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting, um, and uh, and they would be tested on those Confucian classics. Uh, they would have to write essays. And then they would have to compose poetry. So it's a very humanistic kind of uh, education. Um, but they didn't study, you know, the sciences, for example, right? Mm. Okay. And so all those things, all the kind of subjects that are part of the modern uh, university uh, were really introduced at this time. Mm-hmm. And, in, and this is that whole, uh, the whole... Um, system of modernity, as it's described, you know, hmm. that that this Western way of thinking, but also organizing thought and really organizing education came into China at this time. Mm-hmm. Really, at the yeah. end of... Really, they, they learned from the missions, first of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So interesting. You, you know, another aspect, obviously, and we talked about this uh, in part one also, but sort of in your book you talk quite a bit about the public and social aspects of the gospel like like health and hygiene and disease prevention in your book you go into what labor laws there was so much child labor and working yeah. 12 14 16 hours a day and all of these sort of basic human rights that were right. starting to be emphasized also by by, by Christians and and by these right. Elite, yeah. um, as opposed to the more private and individualistic aspects, you know, me and Jesus sitting alone mm. with Jesus, my prayer, my Bible studies, my, you know, my personal salvation. Um, right. You know, I don't know. There's, there's, there's sort of private aspects of the gospel and there's social and aspects public. of the gospel. You want to just yeah. talk about that a little bit in reference to China in, in those 30 years?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as I, you know, as I mentioned in the book, you know, this gets back to American history, first of all, by the way, Americans uh, were sending the most missionaries into China. Prior to the 1900s, Britain was the largest uh, missionary sending country. But after that, it was uh, the Americans and the Americans were especially influence, influential in establishing the universities. Anyway, in America, the 1920s, a great divide opened up in uh, Protestantism between the modernists and the fundamentalists. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that, that controversy impacted the missionaries on the mission field. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately in America, the social gospel became uh, identified with the modernists. Mm. Uh, And so what I argue in the book is that, okay, there was a modernist social gospel supported by the way, by, None other than John D. Rockefeller. Right, um, right. Yeah. So I don't know how much social change he was going to support. Um, so there was a modernist social gospel, but even in the 1920s and 30s, there was also an evangelical version of the social gospel, but especially prominent on the mission field. Uh, mm-hmm. Chinese Chinese uh, Protestant believers were largely evangelical, more conservative in their theology uh but they still believe that the gospel had something to say about society. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the important things for listeners to for your listeners to understand is that, you know, the whole privatization of the gospel, mm-hmm. that is something really that is the product of the Enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. The Enlightenment mm-hmm. would say, okay, you can have your little Christianity and in your own, you know, believe in Jesus in your heart and and uh Profess him within church walls, but don't take him outside church walls, right? Ah. And we need to actually. I, I think we need to include both. The personal aspects are important, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. You have to you have to believe
1: in and your heart. God. That's right. You have to believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You have to Lord. personally yes. confess. Yes. So there are individual aspects. Yes, right.
0: But, you know, it's interesting. You often hear today people say, "I." I accepted Jesus into my heart and then I have a relationship with him. Well, actually the the you know it is true that you know Jesus is present in our hearts or in mm. our lives through the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Mm. And he is ruling. You know, you you can't the spirit of Jesus is in our is living in our hearts, you can say that. But he, he is ruling this world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's not ruling just your heart, <laughs> right? Yeah. So in
1: theology, it's yeah this kingdom vision, the kingdom right. of God. Though the core of it is the church right. and, and the gospel. But surely the kingdom is, as one prominent uh, theologian said, you know, every square inch of all of created reality is under the right. kingship. There's not one square inch where where God does or Jesus does not say that is not mine. He rules over every square inch of all of creation, and he will rule until and all business.
0: his. Yeah, he will rule until yes. all yeah. his enemies are under his yeah. feet. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's really yeah. important. So it's it's important right. to have both, right? Uh-huh. Both are part of the gospel.
1: Yeah. Right. And I think evangelicals are, are catching that and there's just something instinctive when a person becomes a Christian and say they want to be an entrepreneur. I have a friend who, you know, several friends who are young entrepreneurs and they realize that if they're going to build a business and hire employees, they have to bring biblical justice yeah. to, to their hires, to employees, right. have, have fair right. labor standards, have, have fair pay, um, all of that goes along with the gospel. Indeed, yeah. it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. So, um, yeah, maybe we can think of it like a continuum, a line where maybe to the far left, there's the social only aspects of the gospel, and then to the far right, only the private and individual aspects, you right. know, probably all of us fall somewhere on that continuum. How did that go in China? Was was there a balance kept between the individual and the social aspects of the gospel, or Did it become more social or how would you see that in the 30 years you looked at uh, the church? Well, they were
0: debating this, especially in the 20s and the 30s. Mm. Um, And as far as the YMCA is concerned, uh, the leaders of the student division, there was two different divisions, the city division, which was mainly focused on the urban elites, especially businessmen. And then Mm. the student division, which was mostly focused on uh, students and colleges but the student division was especially influenced by one who was truly a modernist so in this way he is that is a correct uh, way to characterize him uh, his name was wu yaozong and uh and you can see that his influence was especially strong within the student division after the communists come to power in 1949 wu yaozong becomes the leader of the three self patriotic association mm-hmm. So did he? he did he was, himself become a bit
1: of a communist, or or a full communist?
0: Yeah, that, that's always a big question. In my book, I look at three different uh, YMCA student division leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. Zong, you know, he's kind of interesting because he largely was modernist, but at times you could see see that he recognized the sinfulness of human beings, right? Which is not a modernist mm-hmm. tenet. Um. No, by guy, maybe yeah. we should
1: stop there, Tom. Just maybe stop yeah. there, our listeners. So, by modernism, we're we're talking about kind of a theological language where yeah. right. where most modernists would not accept the miraculous aspects of the gospel, right. exactly. no virgin birth and I think of Jesus, that's the most important.
0: No,
1: right? No substitutionary atonement, no bodily resurrection. Right. Um, so that's, really denied.
0: That's yeah,
1: yeah. So, what yeah. when we say modernism, we're not talking about. <laughs> worldliness we're talking about a denial of some of the essential
0: gospel truths yeah that's that's exactly right and it is that whole idea that um well that's always been going on in the west for quite a quite a long period is they've tried to they they say oh we embrace the teachings of jesus uh but not the miracles but really the people who became christians early christians were focused Almost exclusively, not no, they were also focused, mainly focused on the miracles, the, the fact that Christ uh-huh. rose from the dead, right? He wasn't Indeed. like Lazarus who, Indeed, who that, rose that, from that, the that dead, dead rock. because Lazarus later I died. Christ, you know, was resurrected. Right. And so they, they not only recognized this miracle of the resurrection, but it was of a different kind than they had ever witnessed before. It was a miracle indeed, for them. Indeed. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> right?
1: indeed. And it became the bedrock. Uh, Paul says in First Corinthians 15, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, well, then let's give it up. We're, right. we're just fools then. <laughs> right. So go back to what you were saying. So, yeah you, yeah, you examine in your book these these three leaders and some leaned more modernistic, sort of away yeah. from the fundamentals of the gospel. Yeah. Were others a little bit more? I would say,
0: mm-hmm. I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, because of the influence of Uyaozong, he mm-hmm. was very influential. He He's first head of the student division, but then he becomes head of the literature division. And so he's more in charge of all the periodicals. And he's really the one who first after the communists come to power that really takes charge of things. Okay. And uh, so he's you know, for good reason, <laughs> a lot of Chinese Christians have a lot of doubts about him, um, and I myself do as okay. well. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hey, I know we're only touching the surface. So many things you discuss in your book. Um, you know, you also obviously have to talk about the the, the emerging conflict between the the nationalist under Cho and Lai or however you pronounce his name officially, yeah. and the communists Actually, under under Mao. Yeah. Um, Actually, I Zhang think Kai today. Said. Yeah, and oh, communists. Okay, yeah, yeah indeed, yeah. indeed, indeed. You know, today, with hindsight, you know, we see where communists led. But in those earliest days, especially in China, evidently, um, not every Christian leader was seeing some communism, at least as Mao was explaining it in those early days, as yeah. something totally bad. They even saw some communist leaders as sort of friends. Uh, how would right. you explain that? How would they well, like most of these issues? Is that, was, it that is was that
0: too? No, I think most mm-hmm. Chinese, I mean, you can even see U Yaozong in his uh, 1930s uh, uh, book, which is called "The Social Gospel." Um, uh-huh. Even he recognizes that one of the weaknesses that everybody recognized was the violence of mm. the communist movement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that really turned off a lot of Chinese Protestants and Chinese generally. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think they were naive so much, but at the same, same time, as I point out, uh, Japan had invaded, uh, China in 1937. So they, that sparked what's called the war of resistance. And so, you know, prior to the U S joining world war World War II, which is December of 1941. So the Chinese had already been at war with Japan uh, for four years before the U.S. even got involved. Um, But Mm -hmm. and it is maybe that weakness in in standing up to the Japanese. uh, That's part Mm -hmm. of it, why they kind of um, lost faith in the nationalists. Um, But even under the nationalists, uh, even prior to the Japanese invasion, the the nationalists didn't always fare so well in, in trying to curb Western imperialist impulses uh, in China. Okay. And, and so that's, but I, I, I quite frankly think that people don't give uh, the nationalists and the nationalist government enough credit. I, I think they were doing a lot of good things. I mean, they come to power in 1927, and then the Japanese invade in 1937. But but really, they were doing some really good things. I mean, you know, Chiang Kai shek was a bit of an authoritarian, um, mm-hmm. but he was, there were certain good things that he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah, I, I think most Chinese just wanted China to be strong and to be independent. And uh, if it's yeah. going to come, and the communists really didn't seem as bad people thought well russian communism is that way maybe chinese communism will be different uh but it proved to be just uh, as uh, nasty as uh russian communism yes, yes 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 no these things you know we always have the
1: value of hindsight to see where these things yeah. lead and i guess when you're in the middle of it especially you're an optimist and you want to keep things together in china and you don't want to alienate people you try to build bridges and yeah, that can lead perhaps to some compromises later on that, that are mm. distasteful a bit. Um, so, yeah, so then what? A lot of Chinese um, pastors, a lot of these elites that you call them, they mm-hmm. really suffered towards, yeah, they towards did. the latter part of, of Mao, and so many gave their lives. You just want to generally reflect on that? How, how much sacrifice was, was given by these believers?
0: Okay. I As I say in my book, I usually leave this to Chinese Christians to talk about because I'm not as familiar with it. But I, I can say, speak more generally. No, okay. I can speak more generally. Um, yeah. You know, I would say, you know, early on, uh, most of these Chinese elites, especially Chinese businessmen, were persuaded to stay on. You know, they could have fled to Hong Kong, they could have fled to Taiwan. Uh, but they were persuaded mm-hmm. to stay to stay on and help build China uh, to become a modern strong nation. And it was that patriotic kind of message that really convinced them to stay, even though uh-huh. they had a lot of reservations about the communists. You can imagine a businessman, especially. Um, mm-hmm. But the communist government needed them to develop mm-hmm. the economy. Unfortunately, uh-huh. within a few years, you know there was the confiscation of all these factories and businesses so there wasn't any more private economy uh-huh. and then and then beginning in the late uh 1940s i mean beginning in the late 1950s you have all these um uh attacks on intellectuals for example and this is not just protestants but it's intellectuals across uh, across the gamut so you have attacks on intellectuals you have attacks uh on on a lot of these elites okay. and so a lot of them you know do wind up in prison <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah. uh they're you know they're about beginning in 1966 is the cultural revolution so uh-huh. that's in a more even a more intensive kind of persecution of not just protestants but it was persecution of protestants catholics and generally anybody who had been associated with the earlier nationalist regime, uh, but also intellectuals of of all kinds uh, of any stripe. Mm-hmm. And so almost they really a, suffered. All those people suffered. It wasn't just Protestants. Right. Almost
1: a complete uh, purge in the end in right. some way. Not right. unlike that of under uh, Stalinism, almost a complete purge right. um, of, of that, that group of people. Hey, maybe right. we, we can just end here in the last, um, oh, I don't know, eight minutes or so. Uh, on some positive notes, I sure. mean, occasionally I read some missionary experts saying that, uh, what, in 50 years or so, there'll be more Christians in China than in any other country. <laughs> yeah. Are you hopeful about that? I mean, one thing I suppose is just because of its great size. What do they say? In right. 1.3 or 1.4 billion yep. right. Right.
0: people in China. Well, so, you, mm-hmm. yeah. Go so ahead. if you have 10 percent. I mean I don't know how what percentage of the population but it's probably not quite 10% uh right. are are believers either catholic or protestant mm-hmm. um but I would say you know 10% you have that's 140 million right that's 140 um, million right there even today mm-hmm. yeah so I mean that in itself would mean that china has more uh, christians than most other countries right um, uh, so that's uh, and as as uh, as has been commented on as well, you have not only the increase of Christians in China, but mm-hmm. at the same time you have a decline in the population of Christians in the U.S., Canada, and then Western Europe. Uh, so as the and, years go
1: on, in fifty years, we could really see uh, an even greater shift
0: to. to oh yeah, to I partner. think within so many years, more Christians. Mm-hmm. twenty to thirty years, China will have the largest uh, percentage. I mean, the largest number, maybe not percentage, but the largest number of of Christians in any other
1: uh, country. But really, I guess, what? That's kind of a a call. Hey, in 25 years, you and I will no longer be here. Um, It's sort of a wake-up call for the younger generation to just be thinking very seriously about China, about missions in China, about what people can do to support pastors i don't know just off the top of your head we didn't talk about this but what are some things that that we here in canada and the us as christians followers of jesus what what can we be doing i don't know mentally yeah. intellectually actively are there things we can we can do to encourage the church there
0: well, yeah i think um i mean there's various organizations but uh i think I I don't I don't know about I, okay I'll just say this I know this is a missions program but I don't know about sending missionaries to China per se because see what happens when Americans do that then you get this idea that Christianity is still a Western religion yes and that happens in so many countries doesn't it right where and where so I would say if you know there's a lot of of course uh, Chinese Canadians. Uh, mm-hmm. and Chinese Americans you know i i think that would be the best way uh mm-hmm. for missionaries to be sent but i think especially uh in some countries like maybe singapore or maybe even hong kong you know there's there's uh, seminaries and there's uh, universities mm-hmm. where they could use uh uh christian professors and and then you have, I, I think back in the day, you know, English teachers were always wanted. Things are in a bit of a transition right now. But a lot of, you know, uh, organizations uh, um, recruited uh, Christians here in America yeah. to be posted to Chinese universities and then they would be able to teach English. And so that's uh, a bit different from, you know, the traditional missionary. And, but I think it's it's more welcome. And yes, uh, yes. so I think that that's and it's important to really I think it's important for for us to still uh, let the Chinese know that uh, there's a number of Chinese Christians. I mean, uh, Christians in the U.S. and Canada, even though things don't look things look a little bit bleak right now. But, you know, there are Christians here who are really trying to fight for uh, the core elements of the faith.
1: Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah.
0: That's an important witness.
1: Yeah, no, that's, yeah, That that is great. I mean, the the modern mission movement of the late 1800s, early 1900s was so dominated by Americans, let's say, and the West. And mm-hmm. I think all organizations are kind of transitioning away from that because it it has associations with, with imperialism, colonialism. Yeah. Even if we, we say we're not part of it, we just yeah. appear to be part of it. And, right. and
0: unconsciously,
1: yeah. I do think we carry... Just so much cultural baggage. We don't even realize right. how much baggage we carry. Sometimes, yeah, that's true. If we can strengthen the Chinese Christians there, strengthen seminaries, like you say, in in Hong Kong and in, in other places, um, Chinese or Christians. Pro- mm-hmm. Yeah, just go ahead. provide
0: scholarships to to uh, Christian colleges and seminaries here in the U.S. and Canada. I know, for example, there's uh, here in L.A., for example. There's yep. three different yep. uh, um, seminaries that cater to Chinese Protestants, right? Wow. Wow. So yeah. If, yes. if people could, you know, just uh, donate to those kinds of institutions, I think that would be a big help. Yeah. Amen. Amen on that. Yeah. To empower
1: the peoples to, to raise up. I, I'm so familiar with Latin American missionaries. Yeah. I know one man in particular, he's just sort of started well, it's been around now for 20, 30 years, but empowering local pastors to teach other pastors, raising the educational standards in the country and not depending on on the Americans. And, right. And yeah, and just really having these movements within countries um, to, to raise up their leaders and the academic level and the understanding of doctrine and, and the full-orbed uh, gospel message that we like so much here at... Uh, Mission upside down. Well, hey Tom, there is a ton of stuff we probably should have talked about, and uh, we didn't. But uh, just just give us the title of your your book once again. Would you just just say that title again?
0: Saving the Nation: Chinese Protestant Elites in the Quest to Build a New China, 1922 to 1952. Yeah, and it was published just last year, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the publishing year is usually different from everything else but it was i think it carries a publishing date of 2021 21 okay very good so
1: so again tom thank you so much and i appreciate you as a friend as a colleague as a fellow uh what defender of the faith
0: and just uh, one who seeks to follow jesus thanks for for being on our program and thanks for having me ran it was a real pleasure talking to you and your listeners god bless you all
1: Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Randall. This podcast is produced by my brothers in Christ, Dennis and Moses. Won't you tell your friends about us? We're Mission Upside Down.